Tammy Gibson, what is happening? How you doing, my brother? How you doing today? <laughs> How was your holiday? Man, the holiday was good. Um, the pagan holiday. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm only celebrating because of my grandson. You know, other than that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. So, you know, it was all about him. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that Christmas... And what, what's today? Today's the 28th, right? So we're fresh yeah. off of, of, of Christmas uh, yeah. and, uh, into day three of uh, Kwanzaa. Uh, yeah. Day two. Uh, so fine. happy Kwanzaa, sister. Oh, same to you. Habarigani. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But yeah, everything was good, you know, kind of taking the time to, to reflect back over the, the year. Yeah. Uh, loved ones lost, um, yes. things that people people brought into the world, loved ones brought into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this beautiful thing called history and things, um, history that's been made and history that's been watered down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that we talk about on a daily basis. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. How, do you, how do you treat you? Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm just looking, reflecting, you know, on the past 10 years. Now we're on to a, a new decade and I have a yeah. lot of things I have in store and I don't do resolutions because they turn to resolize. Right. <laughs> so um, I have goals. I have right, goals right. I plan to achieve um, for 2020 and for the next decade. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I, I used to do resolutions, but I'm like, man, it's about a year in and and I just... The lies yeah. already come. The resolution already Yeah, straight slipping. Yeah, January 2nd, huh? Yeah, so it was like, what was the point, right? Right, um, exactly. So we want to welcome our listeners back. Thanks everyone who's rocking with us. This is episode three. Yeah. Um, yes, episode three. And there was a little break in between uh, both of us, our schedules. Uh, we travel a lot, both of us, so it's kind of yeah. busy, but uh, we hope to be a little bit more consistent for you all coming up. Um, now, we, we, we wanted to um, do a review of Harriet, the movie, mm-hmm. but I think we both come to the mutual agreement that that horse has already been beat. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, there's no need to go back into it. Uh, but just real briefly, do you just kind of care to give us like a quick summary of your thoughts of, of the movie before we move on to our theme, our topic for the day? Yeah. yeah. So overall, I thought Harriet was a good movie. Um, I saw it twice. So um, watching, I felt empowered, you know, as a black woman of the accomplishments and what Harriet Tubman has done um, for all of us, including me. Um, I also love the fact that my niece loved it. She saw it three times right. and she told her friends that she needs to see it. So more than anything, I love that because I've been trying to get her to appreciate our history. And I took her to so many places and she just really didn't care about our history when she saw Harriet Tubman. I mean, now she want to learn more about Harriet Tubman. So I plan to take her to Cambridge, Maryland. And um, they should change the name to Harriet Tubman, Maryland, because mm. there's so much history in Cambridge. They have murals, they have museums, they have the Harriet Tubman um, driving tour. So I definitely plan on taking her there. Of course, there's criticism. You're not going yeah. to, you know, I didn't expect to, you know, he, there. I knew there was going to be some inaccuracies in the movie, just like sure, sure. any type of movie. So, but from a scale of one to 10, I would give it mm, maybe five and a half, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the historian in you. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. But the thing is, you you got to know what's like. You got to know the difference between a documentary 
a documentary and uh, something that's based on someone's true biography. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, exactly. and I think that sometimes when people go into some of these films, that they're not, they may not be looking at it from that lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I'm with you. I, I thought it was it was a, another opportunity to bring a younger audience that may not. Uh, have any type of competence with regards to who Harriet Tubman was mm-hmm. and it ushered them into knowing now. So now the onus is on them to continue their research exactly. if that was something that was interesting, which it looks like, you know, you got to try so many different things to get these kids engaged in history. So mm-hmm. you kept rolling the dice and it looks like this one stuck. So I'm glad that that did that for your niece. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you overall. I think it was a pretty decent movie. It, mm-hmm. You know, it definitely wasn't, um, there definitely was some inaccuracies based on some of the things that I've read mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Sister Harriet Tubman. But I think at the end of the day, any type of exposure to these younger audiences is good exposure. I think that the acting was actually good. Yeah. Uh, I just think that, you know, of course, there's just other aspects of it that just wasn't, um, you know, there was some inaccuracies to a certain degree. Uh, right. But I'm, I'm with you. I thought it was a decent movie. And you know what? When I saw that movie, you know what I thought about? The lady that? that did Harriet Tubman at Magnolia. She oh, should play Harriet Tubman. She's bad, right? She was bad. And I was so upset that I, I didn't get a chance to see her perform. But when I saw her at Magnolia, I felt like I was standing to Harriet Tubman. Me I too. Mannerism, she should have played Harriet Tubman. Yeah, she Damn. was dope. She was yeah, dope. I don't know. When, I forgot her name. But I mean, when I was watching the movie, I was like, she should have been her. Harriet Tubman. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the same thing because she came up to me in character. Yeah. Like, you know, she came up to me as Harriet. You know what I'm she saying? Sure Doing did. the monologues and stuff. And I'm just like, man, hey, you dangerous. Let's get yeah. this picture together. I was scared for I was scared for my life. I was like, oh my God, is she gonna shoot me? I was like, y'all follow you, no questions. But she yeah. should have definitely been Harriet Tubman. I mean, she was, I mean, I just felt like I was standing there talking to her. Right, right. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I agree, I agree hundred percent. She was dope. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's good. You know, we, we wanted to at least discuss a little bit about Harriet, even though we aren't focusing on that like we planned to originally. Mm-hmm. And now we are moving on, you all, to Brother A.G. Gaston. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about him. Man, I'm telling you, A.G. Gaston, the brother who in the 1960s was the richest African-American uh, in the country, in the United States of America, that yeah. came very humble, very, very humble beginnings mm-hmm. down in Alabama. To give you all some a quick context about um, where he grew up and who raised him, uh, the brother was born in, uh, was it 1892? Um, 18, he was in 1890, late 1890s. Late 1890s, and he died in 1996. He was 103 years old when he died. Yeah, so he I, lived a full life. Yeah, he lived a, he lived a very, very full life. He was born in... Um, Demopolis, uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, and his father died when he was very young. So his widowed mother uh, and his grandparents, who were formerly enslaved, are the ones who raised him. Um, so he was raised by enslaved individuals, mm-hmm. uh, and then he joined the military in 1910, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there he uh, went on to uh, live in Birmingham, Alabama. And then that's when everything began. That's where it started. <laughs> that's, where it started. that's where everything began. Um, so, Tammy, you visited uh, Birmingham this year mm-hmm. and you visited one of his businesses. And I'm going to run down the list of businesses that he's had okay. uh, that are currently um, is ran by his family and other people in the community. So mm-hmm. how was your visit down there? And uh, give us a synopsis of, of, of who Brother A.G. was. 
Like so, um, basically, when I went down there, I can. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I really didn't really know about Ag Gaston until I was happened to be on the internet and they was talking about what they planned on doing with the Gaston Motel because mm-hmm. a lot of the residents in Birmingham were upset. Um, they're upset because you have the 16th Street Baptist Church, yep. right? And right next to it is the Birmingham Institute. And then across the street is the Kelly Ingram Park. Mm-hmm. And then right behind the Birmingham Institute is a vacant motel with a lot of history to it. So for many, when it closed, I think it closed in the 1980s, I believe, mm-hmm. it's been empty all this time. Um, so the residents were very upset because it was like, I think at the 50th anniversary, nothing was done um, with the hotel. So now it's slated to open up in 2021. Um, so I'm very looking forward to marking that on my calendar. Mm-hmm. But they're going to turn it back into an actual motel, how it, used to, how it was back when it was, um, you know, in business. Yeah. Um, the furniture, everything is, is going to be back during that time. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but A.G. Gaston, I mean, he was just a true entrepreneur. He was a hustler. Um, he started his hustling at a very young age. Um, his father passed away, like Frederick said. Um, his mother was dom- a domestic, um, but she also had a catering business. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, learned from his mother and um, reading history about him. Um, he would charge his childhood friends a button and a pen to ride on his grandparents' um, swings. Yep. And that started. He started getting that hustling mentality. Yep. And it just it started from there. And when he worked for the coal company, um, the people that he worked with didn't have money. He would make meals for them, and he would charge them um, for the meals. So I mean, at an early age, he was all already hustling. When you know, kids mm-hmm. around that age was thinking about outplaying. I mean, he was you know just thinking about being an entrepreneur, you know, coming from a poverty background and also segregation, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to make a difference where he wanted to have a business that was uh, geared to the African-American community because he wanted them to be treated with dignity and respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Birmingham is tough. Yeah. Birmingham, Birmingham was tough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're talking, Jim Crow at the height. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're talking about um, uh, Bull Connor. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously overt racism that was happening down in uh, in, in Alabama. So it wasn't an easy place. I mean, no. it was nicknamed uh, Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, and we actually get into some of those bombs, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he was a victim of, of an attempted bombing. Uh, yep. Along with, of course, Fred Shuttlesworth, another great um, mm-hmm. civil rights leader uh, out yeah. of Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this brother has a storied history and he lived um, to be very uh, up in age and very impactful um, in the community and just as a culture in general, when you really think about things from an entrepreneur standpoint. Mm-hmm. So um, he was a leading employer of blacks in Alabama and yep. uh, directly and indirectly gave a substantial uh, amount of aid and comfort to the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't one of those brothers that was in the forefront, right? No. So he kind of played the back role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had connection with MLK, Fred Shuttlesworth, and a lot of different uh, um, civil rights leaders, but mm-hmm. he wasn't those in the, that person that was marching arm to arm in front 
with mm-hmm. MLK. You know, he kind of let his money do the talking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we have to have that, right? Why, why do you feel like that's important that we have individuals like uh, Brother A.G. Gaston in the mix with regards to civil rights and equity and equality and everything? Well, he provided uh, financial support, you know, to the marchers. You know, when they were arrested, he would bail them out. Um, and also Dr. King. And um, not only did he use his money for uh, his businesses, he also helped uh, people in the community. Uh, one of his business was the Booker T. Washington um, Business School. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people that went to that school, he gave them jobs, you know, at, in all of his other businesses. So um, sometimes, you know, since you're not in the front doesn't mean that you're not supporting the movement. And he yeah. uses his financial resources. He uses motel yeah. and other business he had to support the black community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sometimes when we talk about civil rights and these um, different leaders, um, you can lead in in silence too, right? right? You can lead right. with your wallet. You know, you can lead uh, with being empathetic. You know, you can lead in so many different ways that does not necessarily mean that you have to be in the take- forefront. Right, be in the forefront or mm-hmm. or take a more violent approach uh, towards things or be loud and boisterous. You know, um, mm-hmm. you 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 don't have to do that, but we have to have a mixture of all of that, right? Of course, in right. order to, to be able to move the move the needle forward. So I just want to read a couple of things real quick. Sure. Um, and y'all, when I tell you that the brother had a lot of businesses, the brother had a lot of businesses. He sure did. Now, <laughs> now what I did. Um, Full transparency is I printed out all these businesses, but unfortunately, uh, my printer didn't work like I needed it to. So I'm just going to pull it up on my trusty iPhone here. That's right. But that's what modern technology allows us to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, 1910, joined the Army, and during uh, World War One, he served overseas in France. So he's a veteran, right? Yeah. Um, he came home. Became an entrepreneur, selling mm-hmm. meals and affordable burial insurance as well in the black community to go along with what you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, in 1954, Gaston opened A.G. Gaston Motel mm-hmm. near his other businesses to welcome black b- visitors turned away from hotels that practice Jim Crow segregation. So that in itself, you're already uh, providing a um, place of refuge for black yeah. folks during the time uh, during segregation, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about some of his businesses, right? Gaston yeah. Funeral Services, Gaston Motel, which is now a national monument, which Tammy just mentioned they're they're working on. Mm-hmm. A.G. Gaston Construction Company, which is still in play. Yes, the A.G. Gaston Boys and Girls Club, still shaking and moving. Mm-hmm. Smith and Gaston Funeral Home. And some of his business holdings include, like you mentioned earlier, the Booker, Booker T. Washington Insurance Company. The flagship of his enterprise was the Citizens Federal Savings Bank, Vulcan Realty Company, the Brown Bell Bottling Company, as well as the Booker T. Washington Business College. Right. Y'all, yeah. this dude was dope, man. Yeah, he was. And he, um, his wife, Minnie Gardner, she was the director of the Booker T. Washington Business College, where she taught shorthand and she taught, uh, taught students typing. And then also, I just found out he owned the largest black cemetery in Birmingham, which is the New Grace Hill Cemetery in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And he had a radio station called WENN. Yeah. He had he, he actually bought two of them. Oh, did he? What the, the other one um, was WRAG, I believe. And he okay. bought both of them for okay. roughly around $600,000 or mm-hmm. $660,000. So he bought two of those. So he, um, again, a serial entrepreneur. Right? Yes, yeah, serial entrepreneur. And which yeah. is what you have on your shirt. So 
with you being an entrepreneur, what mm-hmm. does the steps that he did, you know, how does that motivate you? How does that let you know that what it is that you did was the right thing? I mean, reading his his book, I mean, I was so inspired. Um, I think about my dad because my dad was a serious hustler, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, my mother was an entrepreneur, entrepreneur too. So, I mean, I didn't have any choice but to be an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. watching both parents in the household out there hustling and making that money. Um, but to see his tenacity, his, um, I mean, all he thought about was about making money and creating business and opportunities to people. And it really, you know, I was reading a book and I was getting a little emotional because reading those pages, I, you know, I thought about my dad and yes. what he did for uh, the community. He was the first African-American to own a business in the city of Country Club Hills. Wow. And how, you know, friends that I grew up with, male friends, never saw a black man own the business. Mm-hmm. You know, so my father not only provided them with businesses and jobs, you know, but um, gave back to the community. And me seeing it as a young child, you know, seeing how my father interact with, you know, customers. And I remember just a quick story because my father had me working in the video store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a teenager. I want to hang out with my friends. But my father's like, if you want to go to the mall, you got to work. Yeah. So father will close at 10 o'clock. And so, you know, I'm cleaning up. You know, and I'm ready to go out the door. Here come a car pull up. He like, turn on the lights. And I'm like, but daddy, it's 10 o'clock. You better turn those damn lights on. There's money right, coming right. in. So right. I go in the back, tears flowing down my face because I'm ready to go home. Yeah. And now as an adult and entrepreneur, I'm doing the same thing he's doing. Yeah. You know, so um, just, you know, about how he started Humble Beginnings in poverty and how he wanted to just you know, make businesses for other people and provide a safe haven for other entrepreneurs. So I was really, really inspired about about what he's what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's dope because and even myself being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you understand what it what it means to go the extra mile uh, and that's what right. what it means to to be one step closer and closer to liberation from mm-hmm. these corporate entities and, you know, mm-hmm. nonprofit entities that behave as corporate entities you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so um it, 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 it's something to be said about an individual that's has that stick to itness if you will that says that regardless i'm going to provide the best customer service because that one customer could be a repeat customer over mm-hmm. the lifetime of your business so we have yeah. to we have to do that right yeah and, and i do that today to, yeah absolutely because we have to debunk the misnomer that black businesses don't give good customer service i mean that is a stereotype that's out there um, that people like yourself, people like me, and uh, obviously your father and brother A.G. Gaston was trying mm-hmm. to make sure that we debunked uh, because the, the reality is um, there are a lot of businesses out there that don't give good customer service. Um, right. You know, then also as a black business, and I try to you know in, you know try to inspire uh, aspiring entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that sometimes you know you want to try to support as many black businesses. I try to support any type of service I want. I always reach out to a black business, hands down. Yeah. So I don't only support, you know, Juneteenth, Kwanzaa, Black History yeah. Month. I support all year long. Absolutely. But, you know, I would like to say that people that tend to not support Black businesses because of one bad experience, mm-hmm. you know, go to that business and say, you know what, I want to support you. I want to see you thrive. Can I give you a little constructive criticism? Yeah. You know, to help you, you know, I want to come back, but this is the problems I'm having. It could be bad customer service or yep. whatever. Um, but we need to also stop saying, you know, we're not going to support a black business because of this one incident happened. We don't Absolutely. see the other communities say it. Yeah, um, definitely don't can't say that. We can't afford to. No, we we can't we can't afford to do such. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with what 
the brother had to experience, uh, brother A.G. Gaston, it didn't come easy. No. Um, you mentioned bombing him, right? Yeah. As far as uh, Birmingham, uh, having that nickname. And there were a lot of different instances in which his life was threatened. Uh, and I'm going to go through the timeline and what it is and what I have, right? Okay. So, um, like I mentioned in 54, you know, uh, he created the motel and everything to to provide a safe haven for, for brothers and sisters, right? Mm -hmm. On May the 11th, 1963, there were four people associated with the KKK and they attempted to blow up the A.G. Gaston motel, right? Mm -hmm. So that was like the first attempt. Uh, brothers like Martin Luther King, Fred, Fred Shuttlesworth, uh, and other individuals were also, some key civil rights individuals were also in that motel at the time, but that plan um, was did not was not executed. Um, September the 8th, uh, 1963, unidentified individuals threw firebombs at his house, right? Okay. Uh, now, this was apparently after he and his wife left an event for uh, John F. in Washington, Mm -hmm. um, so individuals try to get them then as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then years later, 13 years later, in January 24th, 1976, he and his w wife were kidnapped by a brother. I who, didn't know that. Yeah, who um, the news admittedly said that he had uh, mental health issues, mm -hmm. which you usually don't hear that when it comes to African-Americans that commit crimes, right? I mean, yes, you know as well as I know here time. recently. Right, specifically during that time. Uh, so that brother um, did a lot of uh, uh, physical violence towards uh, uh, Brother Gaston and his wife, um, and they survived that. Um, yeah, they, they, they survived that, and they found um, Brother Gaston Hours later, after the police uh, arrived, they found him hours later in the backseat of his car. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he broke in and, and did what he did to those individuals. So all of this wealth and everything that was attained, it did not just happen without any type of challenges, right? right. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that conflict facilitates change. Mm -hmm. And depending on what it is, what the conflict is, you can always turn it into a positive. And he obviously did such. Right. Um, so let's talk about some of his money. Let's talk about some of his money. He offered uh, and he donated money to the legal team of Arthur and Lucy, who was an African-American in 1955, mm -hmm. filed a lawsuit to integrate the graduate school at the University of Alabama, right? So yeah. this ain't a brother that's just sitting on stacks and sitting on racks. He's sitting on them, but he's also... Um, circulating that to into the community yeah. uh, there was one quote where i read where he goes to the local bank and says i'm going to take my millions of dollars out of your bank unless you get rid of those segregated water fountains in the lobby mm. right i mean that's how much pool and power that this brother had mm -hmm. and guess what they did it <laughs> right people adhered to it so yeah just by that before we move into the next piece oh also he put up $160,000 of his own money to bail out Brother Martin Luther King as well when he was arrested down there. So what does this say about his character? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how does this laminate him in, in history? I mean, he's, I'm sorry, he's just one of the lost unsung people, you know, yeah. um, that definitely, his story definitely needs to be told. And, you know, when I went to Birmingham, you rarely hear anything about A.G. Gaston. You hear about the bombing of the four little girls, hands yeah. down. Yeah. 
And then you hear about Fred Shuttlesworth. I mean, he was a very, you know, of stature in yeah. Birmingham. And of course, Martin Luther King. But you don't hear anything about A.G. Gaines unless you're living in Birmingham. Yeah. But besides, you know, not living in that area, no one doesn't know about this. They just know about those three people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this definitely uh, cements, of course, his face uh, in the wall of fame. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and with regards to history, uh, mm-hmm. African-American history, really American history, because mm-hmm. let's talk about it. This brother was the grandson of enslaved individuals who helped raise him. Mm-hmm. And he was able to be resilient mm-hmm. uh, and, and be the prodigy child, if you will, of mm-hmm. his grandparents who had to endure what it is that they had to endure. So he was somewhat built for everything that came his way. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure being in the military, also serving over in France, helped with that as well. So what is the resiliency of anyone who is a descendant of an enslaved individual who's been able to go out and be their own entrepreneur and things like that? What does that say about the culture? What does that say about about our place in in, in the world, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's for A.J. Gaston, it just started from where he came from, humble beginnings, you know, and and the environment that he he was in, and he refused to not live like that. He, Mm -hmm. you know, wanted to... Uh, to do things, be his own man, where he didn't have to uh, to go in a certain way as far as uh, segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's just you know he just wanted to have a better life and do what he wanted to do on his terms. Yeah, yeah, and he definitely did that. So since we're in the spirit of Kwanzaa, um, mm-hmm. doesn't um, everything that he did for the culture and for the community um, doesn't it line up with Kwanzaa? Uh, definitely, exactly. Uh, especially for I know today's Ujima. Yep. Tomorrow's Ujama. Yep. And that represents um, economic empowerment. Absolutely. And um, in A.G. Gaston's book, it's called Green Power. He has ten uh, things for success, and I just want to run through them real quick. Absolutely. Um, one, save a part of all you earn. Pay yourself first. Number two, establish a reputation at a bank or savings and loan association. Save at an established institution and borrow there. Stay away from loan sharks. Three, take no chances with your money. A man who can't afford to lose has no business gambling. Mm. Never borrow anything that is forced to, I'm sorry, never borrow anything that if forced to, you can't pay back. That's simple enough. Don't get big headed with the little fellows. That's where the money is. Mm. Don't have so much pride. Wear the same suit for a year or two. It doesn't make any difference what kind of suit the pocket is in if there's money in the pocket in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Find a need and fill it. Successful businesses are founded on the, on the needs of the people. Once in business, keep good books. Also hire the best people you can find. Mm-hmm. Eight, stay in your own class. Never run around with people you can't compete with. In other words, let the Joneses do what they do. You don't have to keep up. Mm. I got to say that again to those people. Say it again, please. Don't be like the Joneses. Yes. You don't have to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Nine, once you get money or a reputation for having money, people will give you money. Mm. Ten, once you reach a certain bracket, it is very difficult not to make more money. At some point, your money will begin to make money if you live wisely in order to get there in the first place. So to me, that lines in with Ujama to build our own businesses, control the economics of your own community and share it in all its work and wealth. 
And um, another quote that A.G. Gaston said, it says, Black people need a Martin Luther King of, 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 of economy. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. No, Black people good. needed a Martin Luther King of economics who will fire the who will fire the people up like they are being fired up for civil rights. Boom team. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that that's so true. And and the thing mm-hmm. is when we look at him, we look at Maggie L. Walker, we look at um we look at all these individuals that were uh entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Brother Dobbs down in Atlanta. When we yeah. look at these individuals, mm-hmm. they are the epitome of what um, Black excellence is. They're right. the epitome of what entrepreneurship is. Um, you know, Madam C.J. Walker. I mean, the list really goes on and on and on when you think about it. And some of these uh, individuals may not have reached millionaire status, but they right. really had a stronghold in a lot of different communities, mm-hmm. just like Brother A.G. Gaston. So those 10 things, I'm going I'm to look at those up and I'm going to post them because I think it's, yeah. it's very important for it's individuals to follow today. those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then you know what I think, Fergie, because I think about you know the 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 businesses that we had back during that time, and it seems like we thrived during se- segregation, yeah. because we all depended and needed one another. And then once segregation ended, it seemed like that's when the businesses start to you know tank. Yeah. Um, because there were more opportunities for African Americans to go to other businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, kind of sad that um, it, it turned out that way, you know, in, mm-hmm. in you know, with A.G. Gaston, where there mm-hmm. were still people that supported him, but it wasn't enough to keep his business going. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there was something else that was from a financial standpoint. Um, and, and what Tammy is talking about, because he still has businesses now that are still in his name. Right. But, but of course, what she's talking about was during uh, integration, you know, that stronghold mm-hmm. uh, in the community, it was there, but it took a hit because, yeah. there, like you mentioned, it was more options. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, I, and that was the case across the country in a lot of different places. So you're absolutely right. Something very interesting um, that I was able to find in 1987, A.G. sold the insurance company that he had. That was roughly worth around $35 million to 350 of his employees, his black employees, for $3.5 million, giving up 90% of its value. Mm. <laughs> like, wow. You talk about putting money back into the community? Yeah. Right? I mean, 350 I mean, I'm sorry, $35 million is what your company working now. This we're talking about wow. in the 80s. So I don't know what the math would be on that right now, but right. I'm sure it's astronomical compared yeah. to um back then, you know, compared to um, you know, it, it's just astronomical. The number is astronomical. And $35 million in, in in the 80s, right? I mean, we used to always say, if I get that million, I'm quitting. Right. <laughs> right. As long as I get that meal. You can't afford to quit off a million dollars right now unless no, you, you cannot. specifically after the government get their money, That's unless awesome. you have a hell of a, a, a business plan with regards to investing. You should be working today. To work. <laughs> you work. A million dollars and after they take taxes and stuff out, you can still be working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be right back working <laughs> for someone else, or of course, for yourself, or hopefully you'll develop something for yourself. So, I mean, that's huge, right? Um, yeah. 
Company worth about $35 million, um, sold to 30, 350 of his employees. He had 350 employees, people, for $3.5 yeah. $3. million, giving up 90%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's 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 deep right um something else i wanted to touch on um did you think that some black folks because he mentions a, a quote in there um uh, that some people weren't necessarily uh, too happy with the money that he was able to amass and uh do you feel like some people may have thought of him as being an uncle tom to a certain degree because of the simple fact that he was able to parlay his way in the white community as well to get what it is that he needed because mm -hmm. we know sometimes in our culture if one person mm -hmm. may be doing better than the other then you're automatically perceived as x y and z mm -hmm. not knowing that person's background and what it took for them to get to where they needed to go so mm -hmm. with some of the things that i've read and one of the books that i read i think that he alluded to not people saying that he was an uncle tom but pretty much saying that people thought he was an Uncle Tom because he was in the graces with white folks, getting the money that bailed out Martin Luther King as well as helped other individuals, right? Right. And I, I read this his when I read the book, I did not see of him being an Uncle Tom. Now I know that he was not really um, too happy with um, MLK because right. a person from the outside coming into your city, causing yeah. problems, and then going back home. Yeah. Um, and in his mind, a lot of people say he had the uh, Booker T. Washington mentality. You know, to not, you know, make white folks mad. You know, yeah. we're going to get there, but, you know, we're going to do it on our time. Right. Long-term approach. Right. So Fred Shuttleworth wasn't having that. He was yeah, like, no, we need to get this done now. Yeah. So um, a lot of people, he got a lot of backlash because of that. And then also, you know, Shuttleworth, well, Andrew Young called him Uncle Tom because he felt like he was milking African-Americans um, through segregation. Mm -hmm. um, Fred Shuttleworth called him a super Uncle Tom. Because mm. he said that he was charging um, hotels that were too expensive. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing the research, the the single hotel rooms were $12 and the double rooms were 16, $14 or $16. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he said that he gave them hotels at a discount rate and provide them free access to the meeting rooms. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't see him as being an Uncle Tom. Um, He's a businessman. Yeah, he benefited by some. I mean, what can you do? I mean, I can, you know, I can see him not being too happy with King coming in, and um, but he said when he saw the children being hosed and being yeah. attacked by dogs, that's when he. Children's Crusade. That's when it changed. When he felt like he needed to do more to be, you know, be more visible yeah. um, for the for the movement. So absolutely, but he also put one hundred and sixty thousand dollars up cash of his own money to bail out Dr. King. Yeah, On but two occasions he bailed him out. Right in the book, he said that Dr. King, well, Andrew Young was mad because he, Dr. King, didn't want to get out that quick. Right, he did not. So he, right, so he felt like getting Dr. King bailing him out that you know it will eventually have him go home because Andrew Young's like, no, we don't want you to bail him out. We're right. trying to, you know, we're trying to do something, but you know, Ag he kept on bailing him out, you know, hoping that you know Dr. King would just pack up and and go home. So yeah, yeah, and it didn't work out that it didn't work out that way. I mean. No. You know, and it's crazy because you have these different plots and twists in which a lot of people may not know. Right. And we don't know the mindset of AG during that time period. We don't know the true mindset of MLK 
you know, I'm sure that they were able to come together because they, they both needed each other with regard right. to their approach on how to handle mm-hmm. the civil rights movement. They both needed each other to a certain degree. On mm-hmm. one side, you got the money man. On the other side, you got the voice of the people. So right. you had to um, gel the two together in some way, shape or form. And I'm sure they had some conversations in private uh, in which they talked about the, those things. Or they had heated arguments. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but but think about how intense it had to have been during that oh, time yeah. period. I mean, you got hundreds of thousands, if not you got millions of people's lives in jeopardy based on what's happening down in little old Birmingham, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Birmingham at the time, if you will, you know? And besides, the man had to make money. I mean, he could mm-hmm. not just give everything free to everybody. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I can definitely relate to that because yeah. people come out for discounts and want things for free. It don't you're trying to minimize my, you know, my business and my work. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you can't just give, I mean, he did, I mean, he provided, you know, but motel, he provided jobs yeah. for people. So I yeah. could not see them saying that he was was Uncle Tom. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of tough. But, you know, I guess you kind of think about it, even in this day and age, when you look at your people, when we look at people like Jay-Z, Mm-hmm. Um, people call Jay-Z and Uncle Tom now because of mm-hmm. what he did, uh, you know, with the with the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily agreeing with Jay-Z on that. Right. But Jay-Z's done a lot of stuff with regards to our community. Khalif mm-hmm. Bauer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just he's done a lot. Uh, Beyonce, mm-hmm. his wife, has done a lot mm-hmm. to give back to these different communities and provide uh, resources and access to a lot mm-hmm. of different things, paying legal fees for people and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, there's no such thing as perfection. And when you're dealing with other people's lives, that mm-hmm. makes it even more difficult to find that uh, gray area of, or, or that fine line of what perfection looks like and what it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he, so from the Jay-Z of our times, A.G. Gaston, yeah. He was that, right? He he amassed a lot of money and had to kind of be on this fine line of how do I maneuver this, right? Yeah. Because if I don't not necessarily adhere to white folks, because clearly he went in there and threatened him and said, if you don't let go of those segregated water fountains, I'm pulling my millions of dollars out. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't a pushover, right? Mm-hmm. He just kind of did things Mm-mm. his own way and played it in, in, in the background versus being upfront and boisterous uh, in which we do need that as well from certain individuals. Right. So I think I pretty much felt like he was like in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. a middle of this. But um, like I said, I just didn't see him as far as um, this being Uncle Tom. I, I didn't see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me ask you uh, before we wrap up here mm-hmm. on this beautiful Saturday. Um, it was 67 degrees here in Charlotte today. What's, what was it, it up there? About the same. And, and y'all, she's in Chicago. What what the hell is it being this hot? Yeah, I know. I was like, I'm, I'm, scared. I'm kind of scared to tell you the truth. Right. <laughs> with this from, I'm like, you know, people out there on Lake Michigan, you know, with sandals. I don't know if that was necessary. You know, they were right. that warm, but they were out there, you know, with sandals on, shorts on, everything like that. So I'm like, it felt good, but it was right. kind of scary. Yeah, because uh, next month y'all may be in a blizzard for the whole for the whole month. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. Um. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what is it that we need? Why do we need black folks to look at people like A.G. Gaston now or any minority uh, at this point to look at A.G. Gaston and and research him? Why is it important that he is brought out of the shadows of being unsung to being a sung hero? Well, I think that everybody should read about his story, you know, about how where he started and where he was at today. And being an entrepreneur, I always tell people, it's not easy. 
No. It's not easy. It's not something for the week. You know, I tell people you're going to put in hours, longer hours as someone uh, uh, self-employed than when you were employed. So you have to have that hustle mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have that that mentality that you easily drink businesses. And not only that, um, you know, to make sure the money that you make of becoming a successful entrepreneur, you also have to give back to the community as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think A.G. Gaston personifies exactly what being an entrepreneur is, as well as uh, being a community leader is, Mm -hmm. um, as well as what empowerment looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this brother was um, raised by enslaved individuals. Mm-hmm. So that sense of survival, that sense of being uh, adaptive was already deeply rooted in his DNA based off that alone. And it's rooted in all of our DNAs. And I, I really believe that it's important that we do read up on A.G. Gaston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he still has family members that are down in that area. A.G. Gaston uh, businesses are still down mm-hmm. there. So I know that they're doing great things. I just read something the other day about um, his um, uh, the YMCA or it may be Boys and Girls Club or YMCA. Yeah. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. It's a Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And, and how it's still providing um, refuge for young kids mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And now this, they're bringing in more interactive um, gadgets and things like that for kids in those communities to mm-hmm. learn. And those kids look like you and I, of course. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, brothers like A.G. Gaston, we have to read about him. It's unfortunate yeah, yeah. that um, he's not... Um, highly decorated as some of okay. our other individuals, but mm-hmm. the brother was impactful. The brother yeah. had, he, he had it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had really the blueprint on how to to keep going. And out of all the things that he's done, what stands out to me the most is literally giving those 350 employees the opportunity to get that business. And he gave up 90% of the business, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like that is, unprecedented and that was in 87 the brother died in what was it 2006 i believe i believe he died in 2006 i'm gonna let me tell y'all right now Mm, i think he passed away i'm sorry 1996 i'm yeah he was and i have the official uh date of birth and death so 1892 is when he was born Mm -hmm. and passed in 1996 Mm -hmm. um so that was though that's you know he was 103 years old. Yeah. And then um, also, I just found out that um, next year is the 16th annual AG Gaston Conference. And okay. the conference is a weekend event and it's all about entrepreneurship and economic empowerment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, February 12th through uh, February 11th to the 12th, 2020 in Birmingham. So mm-hmm. I just happened to type his name up and it popped up. So I know I won't be able to make it this year. Uh, for 2020, but definitely 2021, just to yeah. go there um, to see what that conference is about. But it's about, um, you know, entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something that uh, created the fabric of this country, right? That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. what this country is built on, uh, in addition to the backs of our yeah. ancestors. Right. And I wish that Birmingham, they should do a, like a driving tour of all the locations that A.G. Gaston had his businesses or something like that. I mean, I just can't believe that you know, that's not it's some type of, you know, woven into the, yeah, yeah, know, the visitors. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would think that that would, you know, because of so much he's done, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, this this was dope talking about AG, good brother. Um, I first learned about him some years and years ago, and I was just like, you know, since we were talking about unsung individuals, um, he's one of them. You know what I'm saying? And um, this is what this doc this this is what this um, podcast is all about is talking about those unsung individuals and that's this kind of flavor that we're going to keep bringing every time that we uh, get on these microphones check one check two you all because it's important mm-hmm. um so you know that's that that's the kind of flavor that we want to bring uh to you all so mm-hmm. um any last words about ag before we give shout outs and and and, and also talk about where people can find us individually and collectively Sure. Um, I want to um, let everyone there's some books about the life of A.G. Gaston. Um, one of the books that I have here is called the A.G. Gaston Motel in Birmingham, a civil, a civil rights landmark. So this is the book that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book called Black Titan. Yep. That's the one and, I'm almost done with. OK, I should have read that book, um, but it was. the Yeah. Um, so it's written by um, Carol Jenkins, who's the Gaston's niece and Elizabeth Hines, which is the grandniece. Um, Gaston has a memoir. It's called Green Power. Um, I tried to look for the book, but the book costs between three hundred to a thousand dollars. But it's his memoir. Damn. (laughs) So I'm just like, let me do a book club me or something like that. But I would like to read this because this is his coming, his words. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to find Green Power somewhere because I really want to read his his memoir. Yeah. Yeah, so you go on Amazon. You know, I'm like, I'm Amazon Prime. Do I get a discount or something? You know? <laughs> looking for the used one. <laughs> right. I'm, there's no used one. I'm sorry. Well, I think the used one is $300, but the brand new one is, is a grand. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So those are the three, three books that I encourage everyone to definitely read about. Absolutely. So, A.G. Gaston, born in Demopolis, Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, made his money in Birmingham, was a veteran as well, behind the scenes civil war, le- a civil rights leader, um, just was a was an awesome individual, uh, one that all of us should model our entrepreneurial endeavors behind. Um, yeah. So that was, that's AG, that's, that's the episode for today. So Tammy, where can people find you uh, in your efforts in making sure that our history is cascaded throughout the world? Okay. Well, I am a travel historian. I travel throughout the United States and international locating African-American historical sites. You can find me, um, my name is Sankofa Travel Her, S-A-N-K-O-F-A-T-R-A-V-E-L-H-E-R. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and I have a website, www.sankofatravelher.com. Please follow me. I do Black History Facts and um, follow me as I travel throughout the United States um, finding about our history. Absolutely. And uh, for myself, um, Frederick Murphy, and you can find me at History Before Us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Literally, you know, at History Before Us, all one word. And uh, collectively, you can find us at History Unsung 1619 Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, uh, but that may be something we have to do. So much work. 
Um, oh, so, <laughs> so much, much worse work. a little time. Keeping up with our own, and this is so much work. But more importantly, like this podcast, History Unsung 1619 mm-hmm. on Podbean, as well as uh, iTunes. And we'll be looking to um, expand that as well in other places. Uh, another thing, personally, uh, forgot to mention my website, historybeforeus.com. You can find merchandise, you can find blogs, and other things like that. So that is uh, that's us, people. Yeah, that's us. So uh, Tammy, any very very last things before we let these people go? No, I just want to say, um, if anybody, please subscribe uh, yes. to History on Sun right. 1619. Um, we're going to try to, you know, uh, give you some great um, episodes on some unsung African-Americans that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. But please, uh, if you know anybody that's a history buff like us, please uh, send a link, have them subscribe, um, listen to our past episodes, and um, just, just follow us. All right. That's what it is, folks. So the next time that we will be contacting uh everyone uh, well not contacting but reaching everyone's ears will be in 2020 that's right you know, we've almost made it y'all so peace and blessings continue to uh, love this thing called history thanks mm-hmm. for following us make sure to subscribe and uh we out peace All right. happy kwanzaa happy kwanzaa sister bye All right.